With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Chapter 9. A Place to Hide. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real weird sisters please stand up? We're gonna have a problem here. Were the weird sisters, were the real weird sisters, all you other weird sisters are fine, but not the victors. Will the real weird sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Hi, and welcome to The Real Weird Sisters. I'm Martha. And I'm Alice. And today we're here to talk about Chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Alice, where are we? <laughs> um, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> You're supposed to go, Tottenham Court Road. <sighs> <laughs> With a clutching a stitch in my side. Yeah. <sighs> Hermione's kind of a little bit over the top here. She is. She pants that. Walk. Oh. Just walk. We need to find a place to change. Walk. Just walk. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, specifically for the boys to change because she's in a normal dress. They're in their dress robes, right. though. <laughs> That's why all the pub goers are ogling them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did you think of this chapter, Alice? Um, I thought it was pretty exciting. Uh, a lot of action and... Like we said, we're now like into this next section of the book, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that as well. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good too. It's definitely a transitional chapter, even though it is really action packed, because um, we're transitioning from, like we said last week, this like pseudo safety of being with the order and being with Ron's family and everything like that um, to the ministry has fallen and we are on the run now. Um, this is the actual like on the run chapter that we're going to get, um, at least the first one that we're going to get um, before they transition to Grimmauld Place. This one, I mean, like I said, there's action in it, but it does feel like it's just kind of tr not placeholder, but it, it's transition chapter. Yeah, and I think that they're part of what's interesting about it too is like it's not only like, you know, sort of that they're doing this physical change like physical transition of locations, um, but also like that it's just it's so chaotic. Like they're still they don't know what's going on at all. Um, they're not sure how the Death Eaters found them so quickly and um they just don't even know like if the Weasleys are safe or everything like that. So it's just very like <clears throat> frantic and I think that's part of why it's so fast paced is th is that they're just like they have no idea what's going on um, obviously they don't find out how the Death Eaters found them so quickly they don't find that out for a while but um, they do get some more information they get some stability with their location uh, in the next chapter so right exactly so yeah it's kind of interesting that this chapter is called a place to hide because um it kind of makes it seem like tottenham court road is their place to hide but really it's talking about where they go at the end which is grim old place the grim old place indeed the grim old place yes exactly um it was i did not kill you severus it was not i who killed i'm sorry not Alice. severus <laughs> yeah it was not i who killed you 
<laughs> you have to say it extra simply. Yeah, no, ex- yeah, simply and sort of in a wise voice. Yeah, exactly. That was quite some Patronus kind of voice. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, before we actually get into the chapter, I just this past week on Twitter um, or two weeks ago, um, we we posted a "Where y'all sitting?" meme where uh, we, there's all these cafeteria tables with real weird sisters inside jokes, and I can't believe I forgot to include "simply" as one. You did. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't. I didn't include. Si- uh, he said simply. Oh yeah, I love that one because that's but... one we talk about all the time. <laughs> or she said simply, yeah. like Ginny says it, or Hermione right. says it. They all Hermione. do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot to include that. Also, forgot to include uh, keen. That's a word that we like to pick up on. <laughs> yeah, but that one we haven't done for a while, no, so we that's fine. Well, I'm keen to get into this chapter, Alice. Um, we st- I'm quite keen on that. <laughs> we start off in the aftermath of Kingsley's Patronus. Um, they're all standing, like, kind of in shock after the, the message of the Ministry having fallen and Scrimger being dead has arrived. Um, so her- Harry and Hermione are together. Ron had gone off to get drinks, I think, so he's not with them. So they're, like, frantically trying to find him. Um, and in the midst of all this, Harry, like, sees Lupin and Tonks shouting Protego, um, and he hears other voices shouting Protego, um, trying to get kind of the protections back, um, and it's just a really chaotic, uh, couple paragraphs before the, the trio is finally reunited, and they just disapparate. Yeah, it's really, like, scary when, you know, they, they know they have to get out of there, but not being able to find Ron in the midst of this crowd, like, they can't just leave, so it is, I think that's pretty well done by J.K. Rowling, like, just the suspense there. I mean, it only goes on for a page and a half, but it, it it's a pretty long time that they're looking for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was probably only, like, 30 seconds, but in that kind of chaotic uh, craziness, I'm sure it feels like a really long time. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's weird because, I mean, like, we got the warning, and then it's like there's already cloaked and masked figures appearing in the crowd. Like, it, that's really... They were got there really fast and uh, kind of crazy that they knew exactly where to come. I guess, I don't know. I guess it's not like secret that Bill and Fleur are getting married, but I thought that they had a ton of protections on the borough and stuff. Yeah, that's what's crazy to me is that the protections clearly had all like disappeared in the time um, that it took. Um, so, yeah, it says like uh, because people are disapparating that that breaks the protective enchantments around the borough, um, which kind of seems like, I don't know not the it seems like a fine print on the protective enchantments that maybe they didn't all think of that as soon as someone separates i don't know that that it it doesn't really say that that's the reason that they break it just says many were disapparating semicolon the protective enchantments had broken like i don't know how else did they break though well i thought maybe that they had broken because like maybe some of them were from the ministry uh like the ministry had helped out oh. with some of the enchantments. Yeah, that's possible too. That's a good point. Yeah, I I thought it was because people were leaving that it broke. Yeah, down, I don't know. But... Like I think I think it's implied here that you couldn't disapparate if the if the um enchantments were still there. Mhm. Like that you need to like walk a little ways away and right. then you could disapparate, but I don't know that disapparating would break it. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it could be either or both, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, it's not totally clear, but yeah, you're right that it could just mean that because the, which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, the 
enchantments being broken or the disapparition. So, um, I like I said, uh, I like how J.K. Rowling kind of set this up in the previous chapter. Um, the last couple paragraphs before Kingsley's Patronus shows up is Hermione like coming to sit down next to Harry and saying that Ron has gone looking for more butterbeers. Um, so <laughs> we know that Ron is not with with Harry and Hermione when this happens. Um, so it it feels. Like, that's the next, I mean, the fact that they have to look for Ron is explained on the previous page. Yeah, I like that, too. But I I don't know. I still am, I'm still not totally sure exactly how all of the the Death Eaters knew to come straight to the borough. Um, It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of crazy that it's like, the Ministry falls, now we're going to take the borough. I mean, I know there's a ton of people there for the wedding, but like... So I guess they must have known that the wedding was happening because otherwise I don't know why that would be their number one target. And they don't know for sure that Harry's there either. Right. That's they kind of do. But it's like maybe they don't. Yeah, that's kind of my big question, too, is like, are they going there because they think Harry's there or is it just because they know that a lot of the order is there? I think I mean, I think they probably have. It's a logical assumption to think that Harry would be there, just knowing like what they do know about who was who was responsible for moving Harry from Privet Drive and who Harry spends most of his time with, that kind of thing. So it's kind of a logical assumption to make that Harry would be there. But I think it's also the fact that they want to go after the Order, and this is where a lot of the Order members are, and it's an obvious well and location. I was just. I was wondering, because, I mean, uh, we get this thing from Kingsley. I almost called him Creature for a second. But, (laughs) okay, just because of the K name, and I looked up at the screen, and there was a – we have a – we have a line on our outline where it says next chapter's title and it's creature's tale. So I almost said, yeah, anyway, you're already um, at the end of our outline <clears throat> looking ahead. <laughs> I, yeah. Looking to the future. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like with Kingsley's Patronus showing up, like I'm wondering if like the scene at the ministry, uh, obviously he's there to realize that the ministry has fallen. Um, I'm just wondering if like somebody sort of sold them out. I don't think it was Kingsley, but like if somebody was like, oh, there's a bunch of people at the borough or something, something to that effect. You know what I mean? Well, especially after and someone th- has had too much butterbeer, as Fleur would say, you're sounding <laughs> a lot like Fleur right too now. Too much Alice. fire whiskey, I thought. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like, I just think I'm wondering if somebody like if if there was some sort of chaotic scene where this gets tortured out of them because otherwise how would Kingsley know that that's exactly where they're headed right this second you know what I mean like that's a good point he sends the warning like and that's why that you know they're able to know like have a split second of a head start here but like and so I but I just feel like he might have witnessed something chaotic going on at the ministry where they found out where they should go yeah, this actually reminds me of a question that we got for our August patron cast, um, which will be coming out pretty soon for those of you who are subscribed to our Patreon, patreon.com slash realweirdsisters. Um, but one of our patrons asked uh, about what like ministry scenes we wish we would have seen or like potentially like characters or plots that we don't see that happen like off stage or, you know, behind the scenes. And this is a really good point that like we don't know what prompted Kingsley to know, first of all, about Scrimger's uh, you know overtaking and everything or um also like why he knew that they were going to be coming to the borough so i i think you're totally right that there probably was something that happened i don't know if it was necessarily like torturing or like interrogation um but for kingsley to know like that they're heading right to the borough um yeah and i mean kingsley probably witnessed scrimger getting murdered and it sounds just like 
that would have been a really exciting scene to see is like mm-hmm. the overtaking of the ministry. I wonder whether like Scrimger in his like during his murder, like let slip that Harry was at the borough because Harry, like Scrimger knows that. Um, so it's possible. That's that, true. That's a good point. Scrimger yeah. might have sold him out. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, not necessarily like him saying, maybe it really was that the, the Death Eaters are there trying to get Harry, not necessarily the Order, because Scrimger wouldn't necessarily know about all the Order being there, but he did know that one day prior, Harry was there, so... That's that, true, that's a real, that's probably, I, I believe that for sure, because also, like, you know, Scrimger, he doesn't have, like, that much loyalty to Harry, and I think he could easily, you know, he could be, like, trying to give up information to avoid being killed, true. Yeah. S- something like that, or, you know, he got tortured out of him, like, yeah, to a point where it wasn't really in his own control. Well, because, I mean, Scrimger, to his credit, you know, he hasn't really been given much in terms of why he should protect Harry, you know, like Harry, yeah. you have to give respect to, to earn respect. <laughs> Not that I don't think that he should have protected Harry, well, but... Harry, Harry, um, you know, he he really pulled some bold moves, like when he showed his, showed his scar. That's right. No, I haven't forgotten, Minister. I must not tell lies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as like we've talked about before, Scrimger is a very gray character in many ways, but not to defend what he may or may not have done. I just do think it, it makes sense um, that he could have been the one to tell the Death Eaters where Harry was. Yeah, it makes go. total sense since he was just there and everything. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, um, however the Death Eaters found out about it, they are there now. Um, the Death Eaters are ascending, are descending right onto the borough property, and thankfully, um, right as Harry's starting to see them, obviously he's seen some masked figures already, um, but the three of them are reunited, and Hermione disapparates or takes them all by side-along apparition together, um, and this is the scene that we referenced at the beginning of the, ch- of the episode. They're at yes. there on Tottenham Court Road. I have to say, um, I've been to London a couple of times, and whenever I've had the chance to see Tottenham Court Road, it has given me such a like such joy. I don't. I just yes. that's. I mean, I know it's like it's a really a very prominent street in London, but like I hadn't really heard of it before this book. So it, then that was my only association with it. It's probably the case for a lot of American. Uh, or, you know, other international readers besides people who are are familiar with London previously. But anyway, so it was always my association was Harry on Tottenham Court Road. Now, in the movie, I think they change it, and they're on um, a different street, aren't they? It's it's like a similar type of a street, but it's not Tottenham Court Road. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, And I actually, I just looked it up, and apparently it's Shaftesbury Avenue. I used to come to the theater here with my mom and dad. Yeah, like, I don't understand why that had to be changed. That's just something where it's like, who cares? It Just keep it how it is in the book. Yeah, it says that um, on the Harry Potter wiki that it's possibly due to the distinctive Piccadilly Circus screens. Um, like, it'd be more interesting, because it looks kind of like Times Square. Um, like- yeah, well, Tottenham Court Road is also, like, a pretty cool-looking street, so I don't think it's really... I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird change. Like, is Tottenham Court Road, like, protected by copyright or something? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. But so anyway, I like I, I just wanted to say when I've been able to walk on Tottenham Court Road, it's I've been like very pleased with myself. I've never gotten to do it. Yeah, well, it's a fun feeling. It, yeah, it is. I remember when I read uh, Mrs. Dalloway that I'm just looking at the Harry Potter wiki, but I now that I'm reading this, I do remember reading that and seeing Tottenham Court Road and getting really excited. I think it's also in like in Sher- the BBC Sherlock. I think there was a scene yeah, that takes place well, on it. Yeah, the thing is it's a super famous right. street, so like it's not like it's not like it's this really like side street that's like one block long or something. It's like a big street. So it makes sense that it's in lots of other stuff. It's just my first association with it was always this, and I'm sure for you, same thing. Definitely, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, if anything, I think it's kind of a niche Harry Potter reference. Like, people know, more people, I think, or at least especially British people, are familiar with Tottenham Court Road and don't necessarily associate it with Harry Potter. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I also, if I ever find myself in London, will definitely be going to Tottenham Court Road. Yes, for sure. It's very exciting. It is. Uh, it's very like we, exciting. Like we said, it's pretty kind of comedic here because Harry and Ron are in dress robes, so people are um, like making fun of them <laughs> when they see what they're wearing. And of course, Ron's like, um, Hermione, we haven't got anything to change into. <laughs> and Harry, why didn't I make sure I had the invisibility cloak with me? All last year I kept it on me and... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these boys. They did not plan ahead very well. They are also, like, not really thinking about who they're with. Um, Hermione is not... uh, Hermione would not make an oversight like this. That's true. And, I mean, thank goodness that they have her with them, because she really did save the day on this. Even though she packed Ron's old jeans? (laughs) They're tight. Oh, I'm... (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry, Ron. (laughs) That's my favorite uh, little exchange in this chapter. <laughs> Ron being a big baby about how she packed about his own jeans. They're tight. Yeah, she's like, oh, she's like not. She's super annoyed. I would be really annoyed if I, I was her too. Like, I would too. yeah. Um, I mean, he he probably needs to fixate on other things than like the fact that his jeans aren't perfect, the perfect jeans for him. But I mean, like, can you imagine if she hadn't packed this bag? Like, they would somehow have to like figure out how to make a pit stop back at the borough real quick, like before they could hit the road. Like that just would have been such a buzzkill on like this whole, you know, it really would have slowed down the process of the book. <laughs> and like, I don't know if they could have made it back, like when they could have done it, like how they would have, I mean, in the muggle world, like they could have sent a quick text to Arthur, like, Hey, when's a good time for me to stop by for my bags? <laughs> oh, but <laughs> Like, easier said than done in the wizarding world. Well, they could try to use Hermione's Patronus, but... Well, she's been think... she's been uh, studying it, and she thinks she can do it now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they maybe could do that, I guess, but it doesn't seem like it's always... They don't... I don't think they make enough use out of that, to be honest, because... That seems like a pretty like foolproof way of communicating. Um, it's pretty quick. It seems like it's pretty much in real time. Like when Kingsley's Patronus gets there, like it's it's pretty much in real time. Um, it's not like it takes a huge delay of time for it to get there. So they could be sending a few more messages back and forth with the Weasleys. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you're right that like the 
the time um, seems to be very prompt and it's, it's more it's more foolproof than a text because uh, it's like having read receipts. Uh, <laughs> like Kingsley should know that those that it's been the message has been received right away. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it's like I don't really understand. Does it like take a lot out of somebody to do a talking Patronus? Well, I don't think so. I think you just have to know how to make a Patronus. Like, I think if you know how to conjure a Patronus, then it, it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Well, is it a corporeal Patronus, though? I think they have to be corporeal, yes, to tr- to transmit messages. All right, Susan Bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, like we said, like, thank thank goodness for Hermione. Um Thank goodness for you, Hermione, um, because the boys would be totally lost without her. How the ruddy hell. (laughs) Undetectable extension charm. (laughs) You know, in the movie, Hermione's probably, oh, Ronald, are you serious, Ronald? But she never says Ronald here, by the way, just to point that out. (laughs) As we've pointed out many times. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Ronald, an undetectable extension charm, and you've got dirt on your nose. Did, <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's kind of an Oculus Repairo moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like how Hermione is like kind of showing, she wants to show off how much is in the bag, so she gives it a little shake, and then that's when all the books got knocked over. <laughs> yeah, she that has- was sort of like... She got a little bit too flashy there. She yeah. should have just probably, you know, told them that there's a ton of stuff there instead of trying to show it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, because she had them all stacked by subject. As a librarian, does that make your heart really hurt? Um, what, when they fell over? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Hermione is finally coming to the realization that there is a better way to organize books than the way that the Hogwarts library has gone about it. Um, So, I mean, I guess maybe they're organized by subject, but Hermione definitely seems to have a bit of a librarian instinct here to be organizing them by subject. I wonder what system she uses. Dewey Decimal, Library of Congress, we don't know. (laughs) Is there a British system? Sounds like she used genrefication. Oh, what if she had them stacked by color? Well, that would have that that is actually originally one of the ways that li- that libraries used to sort books, either by size or by color. That's well, and that's like the trendy thing to do now is organize your bookshelf by color. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it looks pretty, but you don't like it. Very not much, necessarily though. practical. Well, I, it looks nice. I have to say, it does look nice. I wouldn't do it because then it would be hard to find books. But yeah, that's to, well. Right. I mean, it's not hard if you remember what color every book is. But like, it's easy with Harry Potter. Obviously, I'm going to know what color each of those books is. But if you organize your bookshelf by color, all the Harry Potter books are going to be spread out all over the place. Yeah, that's a problem. And uh, you, you know. Back in the day, the Cormoran Strike books would all be in the same spot, but now that Lethal White has come out, it would Lethal White would be all by itself. Yeah, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. Okay, we're kind of going off the rails here. <laughs> uh, my my personal opinion is, if you're going to stack your books by or short, sort your books by color, have your own Harry Potter or J.K. Rowling shelf, and then the rest of it can be by color. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, series in general should stay together, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but most series actually do have the same color. Oh, like on series there. of unfortunate events, there—that's each a different color that's too. True. That's a good point. 
Um, yeah. And same with the Cormoran Strike series. They're all different colors except for one of them. Or they're all the same color. They're all the same color except one. Yeah, we've gone over that just a second ago. Thank you, though, for bringing that up again. Because <laughs> it makes you mad. They um... both make me mad. They look awful. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, they're kind of talking about all the packing. And, of course, Ron finds time for a little compliment. You're amazing, you are. (laughs) Got that out of his book. Yes. um, Hermione does manage a small smile at that. But Harry doesn't have time to think about how that's probably from that said. I like how she said, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she said it in that tone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I picture it more like, thank you, Ronald. I, I, if somebody says to you, you're amazing, do you normally say thank you? I normally feel like, oh, like, haha or something, or like, oh, I, don't worry about it. Something like that. But like, thank you. Oh, I'd probably say, oh, it, thanks. I feel like if somebody says you look amazing, then it would be normal to say thank you. But like, you are amazing. It it. It's a type of compliment where it feels like weird to say thank you to it. Yeah, more like I would normally just say, oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Make a joke out of it. Oh, it's not a joke. <laughs> right. Or like right back at you. Yeah, stuff like that. But like <laughs> you say thank you. Like it's like you're, yeah, I know I'm amazing. Well, that's what I just said. That's what you're supposed to say. Right. I know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So Ron has changed into a jeans and a sweatshirt. Really cool outfit. He blends right in. That's really smart. Uh, he kind of it's kind of almost as a bill move. That's how cool it is. It's it so, is. It's, it's so, so cool. inconspicuous. Um, and Harry has put on the invisibility cloak, which is gonna <laughs> <laughs> also very cool. It's sure, sure to result in some shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they're. Uh, walking around so it's just Ron and Hermione now um and they're talking about the like what what could have happened to everybody at the wedding of course Harry only has one person on his mind Ginny in her low-cut dress (laughs) (laughs) and all those secret parts of Hogwarts grounds um yeah it says that it's kind of it's it's actually pretty sad because it says the fear bubbled like acid in his stomach yeah I mean it is at this point like it is still really scary because, like, as readers, we don't necessarily know what's happened. I mean, the first time you read it, you don't know what's happening back at the burrow either. So it is scary to think about what's going on there still. Um, and that's probably another scene I would like to see is just, like, how exactly they got everybody out of there and, you know, what happened. It doesn't seem like there was any actual deaths. Yeah, I don't think that there were. I mean, I feel like we would have heard about them unless it's like some random Weasley cousin that never gets named. <laughs> yeah, well, Barney didn't make it out alive. That's true. <laughs> yeah, what? We'll never see him again. Maybe that's how they'll they'll say, oh, Barney actually died at Bill and Fleur's oh. wedding. Does it ever actually mention that Harry's disguise has worn off? <laughs> I don't think so. So does he still look like Barney Accor- right now? According to Mary Grand Prey, he's back to looking like Harry, um, the illustration here. But yeah, I don't think it ever mentions like Harry. I, I mean, mean that he doesn't have a mirror. No, it takes an hour. After, it, it, it takes an hour to wear off after you've quit drinking the potion. So it at some point in this chapter, I'm sure it does wear off, but we don't know if it's worn off yet or not. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean... 
one thing that I was going to say is that later on, um, when Voldemort and Malfoy are torturing Raoul at the end of this chapter, um, they seem to know that it was Harry that was there, even though Harry had the invisibility cloak on the whole time. So that's another kind of weird thing. And clearly, I mean, he didn't, he couldn't have had two disguises, both Barney and uh, the invisibility cloak. So maybe Raoul, maybe Raoul's got a, um, mad eye or something because he can see. <laughs> he's able to tell that it's Harry. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's I, we don't get the we don't ever get a definitive answer on when Harry starts looking like Harry again. But I I think by the time that they have the interaction with the Death Eaters, it probably is safe to assume that he looks like Harry again. Right. It's just confusing though because he has the invisibility cloak on the whole time. So I guess Raoul just assumes like the third person that's there is Harry. Yeah, and you'd think too like. I mean, the other times when Harry's taken Polyjuice Potion, I, it's been like, well, I guess the one time when he took Polyjuice Potion, he could like feel it wearing off. And right. then I think later, when, I think when they go to the ministry, it's like he he can tell it's wearing off. Well, right. There's no mention of that here. No, there's not. So I wonder if he's just going through this whole book as Barney until he turns into <laughs> Albert Runcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till we get to talk about Albert Runcorn, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um anyway so they're talking about why they're at tottenham court road and um she doesn't say that she's come she came to the theater here with my mom and dad <laughs> yeah she just says it just popped into her head again because it's it's a well-known street so like who knows if she'd even been there before but like she just might have known the name Right. Um, and she just says, like, she thinks it'd be safer in the muggle world just because it's where people would least expect them to be. Um, kind of a funny, ironic line here because she says, like, it's not like we can go to the Leaky Cauldron or Grimmauld Place. Then oh. <laughs> they go to Grimmauld Place at the end of the chapter. Like, where should we go? I guess Grimmauld Place is the only other place we can come up with. <laughs> well, not the Leaky Cauldron, but, I mean, the other one that you said we couldn't go to. That seems good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they're talking about how they can't go there. And in the midst of this, they get interrupted by some cat callers. Yeah, which is pretty like realistic. It is. Um, it's gross, obviously, but it is a little bit amusing how he says ditch ginger. About <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he meant about Barney. Oh, oh. wait, he's under the invisibility cloak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah this is the the cat callers are what prompts hermione to go inside this cafe um to kind of get somewhere quiet um it's uh it sounds like a really nice place it, it sounds really beautiful um a light layer of grease lay on all the formica topped tables <laughs> yes but at least it's empty for now um i do like how it says that uh Harry did not like being stationary. Walking had given the illusion that they had a goal. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Now, actually, now that we're reading this, it does say oh, he could feel yeah. the last vestiges of Polyjuice leaving him. So uh, we have our question answered here. Clearly didn't read this yeah. close enough the first time. So, so I guess, orig but when he went under the invisibility cloak, he still looked like Barney. Which is good. Like, that was smart to put the invisibility cloak on before he transitioned back to yeah, being Harry. That would be kind of a, like a weird thing to be like, you know, turning back into Harry out in the public eye, like in the muggle world. That would not be a smart move. It's kind of a funny, yeah, that's true. It's kind of a funny line because the way that he could tell it's wearing off is he, he sees his hands returning to their usual length and shape. <laughs> <laughs> so did Barney have abnormally large or abnormally small hands? 
Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> Either that or Harry does. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused why his hands are so distinctive. Although I guess, you know, you don't know anything better than you know the back of your hand. That is very true. He knows it like the back of his own ha- hand. And I guess, like, when you're when you don't have a mirror like your hands are the easiest thing to see about yourself so but like i don't know if i would necessarily like if i had taken polyjuice potion if i'd be like oh my hand looks different (laughs) yeah i think he can feel it though too like i think and he can obviously feel that his eyesight um is going back to being terrible he's got really poor eyesight or his his eyesight is really terrible (laughs) Again, why he, why he didn't have that corrected by magic, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, there's no LASIK for magic, or no magic for LASIK. True. Um, so yeah, they're standing, or they're sitting in the cafe, and uh, Ron starts talking about how he actually does want to go to the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're going to they're gonna go back on both of the places that they can't go. <laughs> Obviously not to Leaky Cauldron, and Ron, you know, we're not far from the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> And then later on, oh, let's just head over to Grimmauld Place. Yeah, exactly. Those are the two places that we know in the Wizarding World, the two places that got mentioned earlier as ones that we should go to. Uh, but yeah, this is when Hermione says, we know what's going on. Voldemort's taking over the ministry. So that's important. doesn't feel important right now, but she says the word Voldemort, and that's what's going to prompt these. Oh, see, I thought that, I thought that, that Harry said that. I don't think Harry's saying anything when he's sitting here because he's under oh, the invisibility that's cloak. That's true. It's not well, clear. It's yes, not totally so clear though, because there's. You're no... right. No, I think you're right. I think Hermione said it. Um, but yes, that is the, this is the trigger word. Um, they've got the trace on the word Voldemort. Um, so this is what's going to tip the the Death Eaters off to the fact that they're here. Right. Exactly. So it's actually just within moments. Um, Hermione says the word Voldemort, and then she orders some cappuccinos for her and Ron. She can't order one for Harry, unfortunately, because he's under the cloak. I like how exp- right. So I think you're right. That. I don't think he's talking because of that. Right. But I, I always, it's always uh, amused me how it says, "As Harry was invisible, it would have looked odd to order him one, as if Harry really wanted a cappuccino." <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, like harry's sitting there watching hermione order the cappuccino like oh i really wanted one but i guess i can't because i'm invisible <laughs> but yeah so especially like, at I, this particular cafe yeah the grayish cough foamy grayish coffee um that ron says is revolting <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah like like i'm saying like Hermione says the word Voldemort, she orders the cappuccinos, and then right after that, the, the two Death Eaters come in, dressed as burly workmen. <laughs> cool so, disguise. okay, so I get that they could get there quickly by magic, but do, do they just have people, like, on call? Like, okay, this is your job. Like, if if this, if this Voldemort gets said, you're on, you're on it. Like, you're yeah. on call for the next 12 hours or whatever. So they've got, they've already set that up. Yeah, in the, you know, hour or so that the ministry has fallen, first of all. They've set that up really quick. And then second of all, um, the part that, that makes it a little less believable to me is the fact that they also have disguises, like, that are suita- suitable to the area that they're going to. Like, did they, did they like, knock some people out on the street? Or did they, like, have a closet of disguises <laughs> that they're like, okay, I think... It, like oh there's a there's a signal coming in from you know the middle of london so we're gonna need to blend in there so okay quick pull out these workman disguises <laughs> um i wonder like i mean i know that they can like hermione can like transform or transfigure people's clothes to look different so maybe they just like did a little like i don't know 
change a little fancy wand work. A little fancy wand work, yeah. Um, I'm cracking up picturing them dressed as workmen because I just I'm rewatching The Office right now, as are you. Yes, and, that's what I'm picturing yes, too. When Andy dresses as Pat, the mechanic. Oh, no, okay, I'm sorry. I'm picturing when Michael and oh, Jim and Dwight all dress, dress as up as the <laughs> warehouse people, yeah. No, I'm picturing when Andy's dressed as Pat, the mechanic, and then his disguise, make, he has to go and help someone jumpstart their car because they think right. he's a mechanic. So I'm picturing but like Raoul and Dolohov like getting stopped by a muggle woman on the street like I'm sorry but my car just won't start and you or my my car won't start and you two look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> and they're like got to keep got to keep the cover. <laughs> but like so I mean I get that there's magic involved. So I know that's how they got there that quickly. I don't I don't have trouble believing that part, but I just I love how they also have these disguises and I love picturing the concept of them having like a, a closet full of disguises <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> what do you want to be today, man? <laughs> Handyman or uh, I don't know what other Or maybe like the Death Eaters when they picked out the the different disguises. They're like, "Okay, well we'll just have some muggle clothes on hand." And they didn't realize that these are like workmen. Right. They they're... thought that these are like normal clothes for people to just wear out <laughs> yeah that's probably accurate considering how uh, most wizards dress when they have to be muggles yeah too bad they didn't take some advice from archie on what to what to buy for their disguises <laughs> they do like a healthy breeze around their privates thank you very much <laughs> But it's kind of interesting that these uh, that the Death Eaters don't do anything right away. They're just sitting there, um, like the Hermione and Ron like lower their voices, so I don't know if they can even really hear what they're saying. But um, they have a whole conversation before the Death Eaters actually make a move. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because well, I mean it's it's not super long, but the Death Eaters do sit there kind of in wait. Um, like you said, right? It takes long enough for the the waitress to bring them their cappuccinos. Um, like you, like I said, Hermione's talking about how she's been practicing doing the talking patronus. She thinks she can do it. Um, and like the waitress brings them their cappuccinos. Ron takes a sip, says he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to drink this monk, this muck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Hermione even gets to say that she took out all her building society savings before she came to the borough. <laughs> <laughs> so she can pay for the the coffee with muggle money yeah i love how she had i mean i like how it's specifically naming this bank right um one thing i wanted to say before we get to the actual uh you know accosting here that's gonna happen it actually like one of the things that's cracked me up every time i read it in harry potter in general is anytime they drink coffee like because it's it doesn't feel like a wizarding drink <laughs> um like when harry and cho drink coffees at madame Pot- Puttyfoot's. yeah yeah and here when they're drinking cappuccinos it just is like really tickles me to think about <laughs> these guys drinking coffee it is funny yeah they hardly drink any coffee right so it is always really random whenever they drink coffee and like specifically here like the cappuccinos like you're so right. Like, it just does not feel like magical people would be drinking this. Like, yeah, like it would be more normal. It feels so like normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, the fact the fact that it's cappuccinos makes it even more amusing to me. Like, why didn't she just yeah, order Yeah, that's coffees? what I was saying, too. Like, it kills me that they're drinking cappuccinos. I mean, they're not really cappuccinos, clearly. And it's clearly just like from a machine that the waitress pressed a button on. But <laughs> right. <laughs> just is really funny to think about how they've all drank coffee 
Yes, it it is hilarious. Um, well, Harry didn't drink a cappuccino no, here, he here though. That would have looked very odd. <laughs> Poor Harry, he didn't get a cappuccino. <laughs> I don't think Hermione got any either because uh, only Ron had time to take a sip. Yeah, and Ron, Ron's like, I don't want to drink this muck. And Harry's like, quit complaining. You have a coffee and I have none. <laughs> He's like, yeah, how insensitive of Ron. <laughs> he gets to wear jeans and a sweatshirt. I like how Harry's still in, in his dress robes underneath the invisibility cloak, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get why he would go under the invisibility cloak, but why wouldn't he also change just in case... Like, he needed to be out in the open. And, like, I guess maybe dress robes are comfortable. They give him a healthy breeze around his privates, probably. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like you can't run as fast in that. No, I don't think so. But Hermione's running in a ball gown, so... (laughs) Yeah, but she's also a woman, so she's more talented. True. Um, Yeah, I wonder if she took off her heels or not. They are the same color as her gown. We've established that. They were dyed to match her gown. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so as Hermione is reaching for her money in her bag, this is when Harry notices the two workmen making identical movements, reaching for their pockets, um, pulling their wands out. And um, of course, Ron's a few seconds late realizing what's going on. I mean, I was surprised that Harry figured out what was going on so quickly. I mean, like, why would he think like in it came came out of nowhere that these are Death Eaters. You know what I mean? Like, yes. they had pretty good disguises, as we've already established. And then, like, just the chances of them being able to track them to that exact location. Like, I mean, they go over, they can't figure out how they did it. So, like, you'd think that they were totally safe sitting in this coffee shop. Yeah. Um, I, think I, I think I kind of get it with Harry. It says that it's, like, without conscious thought that he does, like, he mirrors them um, reaching for his wand. But I think part of it is that Harry's not distracted by the conversation because he's just sitting there under the invisibility cloak. We already know he's on high alert because he doesn't like being stationary. So he's clearly, like, has his spidey sense on right now. Um, and so I think he, this is very Harry to just be totally, like, ready for the fight. And, like, it's not necessarily, like, he's actually thinking about it. I think it's it's definitely instinct for Harry. It's just in his it's in his bones. Yeah. It's like when, like, police officers go places and they want to sit with their back to the wall yeah. so that they can so they can keep an eye on the door for yeah. anyone coming in. Like, Harry has that sort of a mentality. He definitely does. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I, I don't mean to criticize Ron for being late. I just think it is very Harry. Um, to be the one to to pick up on this so quickly. Um, Yeah, totally. And good on Harry because he, thankfully, being still invisible, is able to get him pretty well. But he uh, stuns Raoul right away. Um, It's pretty pretty well um, executed. Good thing he didn't say Expelliarmus or they would have for sure known it was him. Right, that's his signature move. Um, Maybe maybe the reason Raoul knew was that Harry accidentally showed him his fist. I must not tell lies. I haven't, I haven't forgotten, Raoul. <laughs> um, Raoul would be like, "What?" Yeah, I do. It, it doesn't mention who the Death Eaters are right away. It's not until later, but we know obviously that it's Dalahov and Raoul. Um, and so uh, Raoul is always described as the great blonde Death Eater, and it's pretty pretty lucky for Harry that that's the one that they get right away because I feel like he's actually more threatening because um, he takes up so much space. I guess maybe he's easier to hit with the stunning spell. I think. To me, he always seems sort of like lumbering. Like, I don't think he's necessarily quite as... I think Dolohov is more, more like... cunning. 
yeah, more cunning for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Dolohov, I think, is kind of a pretty dangerous one. Oh, he, yeah. I mean, I think we we definitely get that from him in the Department of Mysteries when he's really, really, he's a creep. <laughs> like, he definitely gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I don't like him either. <laughs> I just wanted to say the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that in my life, I don't think. Um but yeah, so he... You haven't? Have you? I mean, yeah, but I don't like to say it because it's weird, I but I I've do ever... have said it. It does sound like the kind of thing I would have said when I was little. Yeah, you for sure said that when you were like three years old. <laughs> I read about it in the Happy Hollister, it's probably. Exactly. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Is that the voice you talked in? Yeah, don't you remember? exactly what I thought. Like. <laughs> a little mini old lady. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> so Dollhub really is, um, poses a pretty big threat here because he fires this shot at Ron where shining black ropes come from his wand and bound him from head to foot. Um, it's kind of scary. Yeah, it, it it is really, like, I don't know, that does, like, <laughs> gives me the heebie-jeebies as well. <laughs> Just, like, imagining being all bound up by, like, this magical rope. Like, that kind of makes me claustrophobic, or I don't know if that's exactly the right word either, but, like, where you just feel very restricted. Yeah, well, it likes the damp and dark. <laughs> Are you a witch or not? <laughs> I haven't got any wood. Um, what's the poem that they do? It's like, uh, in the movie, you know? I don't remember. I tried to not remember that. <laughs> I can't remember it either, but it's really dumb. <laughs> but what if, yeah. what if Ron was reciting it right now? Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because Harry is trying to send a stunning spell at Dalhov and said he hits the waitress. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oops, just another night on the job. Yeah, it's probably good that she doesn't make an escape like she's trying to, though, because um, then they're able to wipe her memory. And, you know, it's probably for the best that she's not remembering this incident for her own sake as well. And she probably doesn't want to have to remember Ron saying that the coffee was disgusting either. (laughs) God, that's revolting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Dalahov shouts an expulso, which is a a new spell that we haven't seen before, but it explodes some tables. Um, yeah oh okay and then actually we're putting our foot in our mouth again because the cloak does slip off of harry here okay so that's how they knew who it was (laughs) no they were just really good yeah so it's not barney weasley and he is not completely disguised by the cloak anymore so dolohov does get one look at him it's kind of interesting that it's dolohov who sees him not rowl even though rowl's the one who's going to be questioned at the end of this chapter Right, but he probably talked to Dalhov, or yeah. I don't know. I'm sh- like, they get their memories wiped and stuff, but like they they know enough. So yeah, Hermione hits Dalhov right after the cloak comes off with uh, Petrificus Totalis. Um, kind of one of Hermione's signature moves. Yeah, well, I'm really I mean, it's a good one. She goes, "I'm really sorry, Neville, but I've got to do this." <laughs> <laughs> or she said that to Dalhov. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, that Hermione accidentally, uh, cuts Ron's knee open. Uh, yeah, when she's cutting the rope, she accidentally slashes Ron. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, I'm so sorry, Ronald. And, oh, Ronald. 
But yeah, so Ron is rescued from the ropes, um, and then they. This is when they identify who each of these Death Eaters is. That it's Raoul and Dolohov. Ron's actually kind of the Rain Man here because he's like, "That's Dolohov. I recognize him from the old Wanted posters. I think the big one is called Thorfinn Raoul." <laughs> yeah, he seems to like have really committed their faces to memory. Yeah, so good for Ron. He does he have like. Some- he is bringing something no. to the Formica covered table for once. Maybe, maybe he has like trading cards of the Death Eaters that he studies. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that they definitely sell today at like Harry Potter World. And Probably, Barnes yeah. And stuff. <laughs> so Harry becomes like the mastermind here. Lock the door and, and Ron, turn out the lights. <laughs> I kind of like it because you kind of see how the trio functions really well together. Like, well, one of them panics and then the other, like one of the other ones will step up and kind of like have the clear head. Like in the beginning, it was Ron and her, Ron and Harry that are like no idea what to do. And Hermione's the one who got them to Tottenham Court Road, had packed all their stuff, everything like that. Um, here we see Hermione starting to freak out and then Harry steps in and he has the plan of exactly what they should do. So right. I like that. I like that too. It definitely feels very like they're they're a team. Um, it says the panic seemed to clear Harry's head. So yeah, I like that too. Ron uses the deluminator. He's like, I'll get the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the lights. It's no problem. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, they kind of decide, they have to decide what they're going to do with the Death Eaters. Um, and Harry, like we said, he's taking the, the reins here. He says, we just need to wipe their memories. It's better like that. It'll throw them off the scent. If we killed them, it'd be obvious we were here. And I do Ron's like, like, Ron's like, do we have to kill them? Yeah. <laughs> I do like how it says he's relieved. Um, Ron sounds relieved knowing that they're not, they're not going to kill them. Um, yeah. I, Ron also, you're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, boss, I won't do it. Okay, boss, so we won't kill them then. Harry's like, don't call me boss. Or Harry's like, please, just call me Harry. We're we're all equal here. The boss was my father. I'm Harry. <laughs> um, but so then Hermione is calmed down again, and she's able to perform the memory charms, which works, which is brilliant. Yeah, Harry claps her on the back. Ron's like, it's my job to compliment Hermione, not yours. <laughs> But clearly the memory charm was not as brilliant as Harry thinks it is because uh, Voldemort's able to get back the actual memory. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it works well enough, I guess, for the time being, but it's not not foolproof. Yeah. And then uh, He's no Lockhart. That's right. Lockhart is the master of memory charms. Um, mm-hmm. But Harry then has the idea that while Hermione's doing the rest of the memory charms on Dolohov or on Raoul and the waitress, that Ron and he, he and Ron are going to help clear up the the restaurant. Ron, clear up? Why? <laughs> he's, he's like, like we we just finished cleaning the burrow all week. I don't want to clean. He's like, what? The wedding is going to be held in this cafe. <laughs> 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 but yeah, they have to clean up because it's going to look pretty conspicuous if uh, the Death Eaters wake up and they're um, like in the middle of a dis- disaster. Harry's like, don't you think they're going to wonder if they wake up and they find themselves in a place that looks like it's been bombed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally looks like it's been bombed since that expulso char or that expulso curse is like pretty much just a, a bomb. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so they, they're cleaning up and, uh, Hermione's going to take care of the waitress as well. And then this is what Ron, it's no wonder I can't get it out, Hermione. You packed my old jeans. They're tight. Talking about getting his wand out. 
kind of a, that's what she said kind of a moment, although not quite the right. I just like, you, Hermione, you packed my old jeans. They're tight. <laughs> yeah, Hermione. Oh, I'm so sorry. She kisses that. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, and then I just, Harry heard her mutter a suggestion as to where Ron could stick his wand instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of things that Hermione uh, may have forgotten to pack, or she didn't necessarily do the best job packing that Ron would have uh, preferred, um, one thing that I'm not sure Hermione remembered to pack is some deodorant for the, the trio. I She's pretty good at remembering things, but I think that that could have been something she overlooked. And I think there's an easy solution that she could turn to for the future. That's right. And that actually brings us into a word from our sponsor for today's episode. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Native. Um, Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. Products like soap, toothpaste, and deodorant, all things that Hermione may or may not have remembered to pack. Exactly. And Native products also have a lot of amazing benefits. They're formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc. And instead, that they're, instead they're filled with ingredients that are found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Um, and Native offers free shipping and returns. So like I said, they'd be able to order that while they're on the road. Yeah, that's right. Um, both of us have made the switch over to Native deodorant recently. It's really nice knowing that I'm using a product uh, that's naturally made. Uh, for a while, I've wanted to switch to a no more natural deodorant, but I just didn't know where to start, and Native made it really easy um, because it was delivered right to our doorstep. Um, the scent that I have is blackberry and green tea, and they offer a lot of different scents that are all really great. Yeah, so I think um, even at Grimold Place, they have that doorstep where, you know, the Death Eaters stand. They can have it sent right there, and they'll be able to just use that. As long as the mailman knows to say the word kill too when he shows up or when the mail person, the mail delivery person shows up, um, they can just say kill and then they can get, get in the door, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and native really does have something for everyone. It comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Uh, plus they re release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. And they also have an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those who have sensitivities. That's right. Um, and everybody really loves Native. They have over 8,000 five-star reviews. They've been featured on the Today Show, Women's Health, Elle, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and many more. So people really love it. And there's also no risk to try Native because they offer free returns and exchanges in the USA. So uh, you can subscribe and save 17%. You save $2 per stick and have Native con conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. And uh, for listeners of our show, you're even more in luck because Native is offering 20% off your first purchase. Um, in order to take advantage of this offer, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code REALWEIRD during checkout. Again, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code REALWEIRD during checkout. Yeah, so I think Hermione uh, could still get on that. She she knows what she's doing with the technology, and since they're not at Hogwarts anymore, um, they're not necessarily worried about the technology going haywire um, while they're exactly. on the Exactly. So I Hermione really think, just I mean, log on to a public this... library computer, order some native deodorant, get it delivered to Grimmauld Place, and she's not going to need to be worrying about uh, different smells. Exactly. And I think being on the road with three teenage 
people, you know, the hygiene is going to be top priority. So back to the chapter here, after everybody has been obliviated and they're deciding to leave, they kind of have to discuss about why and how the Death Eaters found them. Yeah. And I mean, I I remember just being totally baffled by this too. Like how did the Death Eaters find them in this random coffee shop in the middle of London? Like it just seems way, way too weird of a coincidence. Like there's just no way that they could just stumble upon them. So um, I think it's pretty cool the way that we find out later that it was the word Voldemort that has now been, has this trace on it. And that you know, we saw it, Hermione say that. Of course, it doesn't seem weird in that moment for Hermione to say that. It's it's not obvious at all, but it's like now we can go back and look and see, like, that really was the trigger. Yeah, I love this taboo thing in the seventh book. It's one of my favorite motifs um, and one of my favorite things about it, um, and I'm sure you've, you've also um, come to this opinion as well, is just the the whole coming full circle of the he who must not be named thing um that the death eater is in voldemort i mean i'm I'm sure it was this was voldemort's brainchild but um they're taking advantage of um the the idea of calling him he who must not be named because i'm sure voldemort being the narcissist that he is doesn't like the fact that you know the order and dumbledore and harry have all decided to not conform to the calling him he who must not be named and you know who because i i think voldemort liked that they did that um that people did that before and now that they're being so brazen about calling him by his actual name voldemort totally flips that on his head and they have they have no choice um once they realize that they have to call him you know who and they have to tiptoe around his name giving him the quote-unquote respect that voldemort thinks he deserves yeah i think it's really cool too um like you said it coming full circle on this theme that's in the books about you know fear of a name and everything and just how Voldemort now being in power he has chosen to you know make this word like illegal giving himself like more power I just I think it's pretty cool to see how that it plays out in the book I think so, too. And one of my other favorite things about it is that it's Ron who gives them this information in the time that he's away from being on the run um, when he's at Shell Cottage and everything um, after the fight. Um, I think it's great that this is like Ron realizing because he's like one thing with Ron, obviously, is that he's very um, insecure about his place in the group. But also um, he's the one of the three of them who's always been least willing to say the name Voldemort um so it it kind of it just is, feels really like poetic almost that Ron's the one who figures this out um and I mean you know I don't think Ron actually sleuths it out but in his time away he comes to this realization and he's the one who has to now remind them that they need to be really careful about not saying Voldemort's actual name yeah and he's also the reason that they do stop saying it kind of naturally because um he hates it and he mm-hmm. like you said he is he doesn't enjoy them saying it it puts him in a bad mood so he kind of in as they're on the run over the next before he realize before they learn about the taboo they kind of quit saying it because of Ron um the interesting thing for that I always think is is kind of weird is that like the the lesson originally was like don't be afraid of the name just say it like it's not going to hurt you and then it's like Voldemort weaponized that mm-hmm. and he made it so that the name really will hurt you so it's like uh, it's just kind of like a weird like Dumbledore didn't really end up being right about that because Voldemort was able to turn that against them. Yeah, exactly. And I think the word weaponize is exactly right um because it it totally is his 
like I said earlier, Voldemort taking advantage of people's bravery, I guess, like, because for so long, nobody was willing to say the word Voldemort or the name Voldemort. Um, and then they got a little bit more courage in them. And now Voldemort totally weaponizes that. And it's just, it's really poetic, I think. Yeah, it's super interesting. So, and very clever on J.K. Rowling's part, too, yes. to, like, have that be a way that they'd be able to be tracked. Yeah, I like it, too, because, I and you mentioned this earlier, it's really subtle. Like, we as the reader can't necessarily figure it out until Ron tells us, but it's also there. Like, the the Death Eaters show up five seconds after Hermione says the name Voldemort, um, but it's not obvious about how they got there. Right, exactly. Like, even even if I feel like... I like exactly how it's done in the book, but even if Hermione had been like um, Voldemort and then it like cut off, like there was like a, a M dash or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was like two men walked into the shop and like her, or Hermione paused. Two men had just walked into the shop. Like, even if it was that close, I still don't think you would have necessarily been like, Oh, she said Voldemort and that's why they're there. It's like right. that, you know? So like, it's just really subtle. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's great. And then, like, every time that it's going to happen in the future in this book, too, like, you could, if somebody was really trying to figure out what's bringing the Death Eaters there every time and they had, like, were doing it every chapter, like, really paying attention or something, maybe they could figure it out, but it's not obvious. And that's what's great. Yeah. Yeah. Their speculation here is that maybe Harry still has the trace on him. Um, Ron doesn't believe it because the trace breaks at 17. It's wizarding law. But Hermione says, like, it, it's possible the Death Eaters could have found a way. Harry uh, comes to a, a real... He, he sees this as a great opportunity to suggest that they need to split up. <laughs> right. He And as usual, he feels contaminated. And, I mean, I get it. It's always It's like, it's always Harry. It feels like he's always the reason that they're being tracked and whatever. So I get why he would feel super upset about that. But it reminds me of when he thinks he's being possessed by Voldemort and he's just like, Oh, I'm the weapon. Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And, uh, everybody gets, and then he loves to always use that as like, Oh, I have to be a martyr. Yes, exactly. Uh, but so yeah, their only like theory is that it could be still the trace that's on Harry. They don't have any other ideas. Um, they'll, continue to speculate about this throughout the book um, until they find out. But this is when Harry says that they need to go to Grimold Place because Ron says we need a safe place to hide to give us time to think things through. And Harry's decided like that because Arthur said that they've put up jinxes against Snape um, and, you know, even if Snape were able to show up, Harry'd like nothing better than to meet Snape. (laughs) (laughs) But Harry does point out like we don't really have any other options. So we need to go there first. Exactly. So, I mean, Hermione had mentioned that they could maybe go to her parents' house, which I don't dislike that idea either. Cause I feel like I know that the death eaters do their research and whatever, but I don't think that they're likely to go to like Hermione's parents' house. Really? I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe I'm under a, idea. you don't think it's a good idea no. for, for Harry and Ron and stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm kind of disagree with you. I, I think that that would be a place that the Death Eaters would try to go. Um, because, yeah, okay. I guess maybe they would. Like, maybe they wouldn't assume right away that Hermione's with them, but especially once the school year starts and knowing that Hermione's not back at Hogwarts, um, I, I, don't, I feel like it's pretty easy to find Hermione's address from Hogwarts records and stuff. Um, I don't <laughs> think that that's a safe place to go at all. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess so. So... 
they really don't have any other options, like you said. Exactly. Um, Harry does. I mean, Hermione, the thing is, Hermione knows that they have the tent with them. So they really right. could have gone, gone to one of their random locations again. But That's true. Um, but I guess Hermione hasn't thought things through yet, or she she's more panicked right now than Harry is. Yeah, yeah. So they decide that they're going to go to um, Grimmauld Place, and they... Um, disapparate together and show up at Grimmauld Place and it takes a while once they get there to um, encounter all the protective jinxes but it's kind of it seems like there's less stuff set up than Arthur made it seem <laughs> uh, yeah I've always been a little underwhelmed by the protections here um, I mean I know that we've made fun of it already but like the house itself is really creepy though it is, um, like, just because it's so... It was inhabited, like, fairly recently, but it's been kind of totally deserted for the last few months, so it just has this, uh-huh. like, really creepy feel of, like, there's a... The umbrella stand has been knocked over, and um, the lamps are kind of, like, flickering, and there's cobwebs, and obviously the house itself is already creepy with all the house elf heads and stuff like that. Um, so Hermione has the feeling that somebody's been in here, um, and at this point point they don't know who's been there and uh we both just got a little bit confused trying to remember who's been there but um just looked it up and for sure snape is the one who has been there um he one of the reasons is to uh, befriend phineas nigellus get him on his side um so that phineas is giving passing the information um to to Snape, um, and then also the the main scene that we see this is in the Prince's Tale chapter is Sirius um, is Snape in Sirius's bedroom reading the letter from Lily um, and tearing the picture of James and Lily together. So it's just Lily, and he has it with him. Right. So we're gonna see little scraps, like of scraps of evidence of Snape having been there, like how Harry's gonna see um, that torn photo and that kind of thing. Um, but we won't we won't know for sure until the prince's tale that Snape was there. So that's what they're feel. That's the sense that Hermione's getting, and and um, she's you know she's correct when she says that she thinks somebody's been there. Yeah, it's just a, a creepy feeling knowing that so- it feels like somebody's been there. Um, I guess it's kind of comforting knowing that it is Snape um, in the end because it, it's not somebody actually threatening. But at this point, if they had known it had been Snape that was there, that would be even more disconcerting. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it, it definitely is an eerie feeling because they don't. Uh, Hermione does the hominum revelio or whatever so they that is nice because it comforts them to know that there really is no human presence in the house right now yeah um but i think like i just know how i feel when i come into a house and i feel like there's been someone there even though there usually has not been and how creeped out i feel by that as far as you know right but like it's i know how easily how i actually wish that i could do the hominum revelio because that would be pretty nice. But yeah, you would love that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's got to be a real creepy feeling, especially in a really old house like this, and especially knowing that there's a lot of people out there who actually do want to do them harm. Yeah, exactly. So so we get into the house, and after they're f- figuring out uh, who's been there, that kind of thing, the first uh, protection jinx here is the tongue-tying curse. Um, Mad-Eye's voice whispers out of the darkness, Severus Snape. (laughs) Um, So I guess this one just kind of um, 
it t- ties their tongues. I don't really get what exactly that would do to Snape specifically, but... Well, I think it makes it so he can't tell people about Grimmauld Place, right? Um, yeah. I think it makes it so he can't pass that along anymore. Oh, okay. But I, I've also always been a little confused by this because it's yeah. like they're just stuttering. Right. I think you're and, right, and though. We're not Snape. What if Snape said, oh, I'm not Snape? Right. No, <laughs> I don't think the we're not Snape thing matters. Um, okay. That's just what Harry says. Um, but yeah, then after this happens, um, they meet old Dusty. <laughs> it's really creepy. It says that... Oh, this part's the worst, a, yeah. A figure had ridden, uh, risen out of the carpet, tall, dust-colored, and terrible. Uh, the gray figure was gliding toward them faster and faster, its waist-length hair and beard streaming behind it, its face sunken, fleshless, with empty eye sockets. Horribly familiar, dreadfully altered, it raised a wasted arm, pointing at Harry... <laughs> Yeah, so then Harry's just like, we didn't kill you. And then when it says kill, when he says kill, the figure explodes. So I don't know. Again, like if Snape said, I didn't kill you, it's just fine. Right. Or or does this does this charm somehow or this curse or whatever somehow have more of a sentient knowledge of like okay well you said you didn't kill me but you really did yeah maybe that's the thing like the word kill um but it has to be sincere or something <laughs> i don't know although yeah. if, if snape said it it would also be sincere because really like dumbledore was already dying so yeah exactly and it was not it was set up by dumbledore so i don't know whether it would work with snape saying it too I mean, he still did kill him but yeah yes um so then Finally, old Dusty goes, uh, but of course, Mrs. Black is still screaming. Um, so Harry kind of pulls a serious, shut up! And he directs his <laughs> wand at her and uh, swings the curtains shut against her, silencing her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of weird because it never, it doesn't actually say that this figure looks like Dumbledore until after Harry, well, when Harry says, we didn't kill you. And then later on, Harry says like, um, had Snape already blasted the horror figure aside as casually as he had killed the real Dumbledore. Um, when I read this the first time, I, like, wasn't totally clear that this was supposed to be Dumbledore. It's, uh, I mean, it makes sense, but, like, the description of him doesn't really sound necessarily like it is Dumbledore. Yeah, it's, like, supposed to, it's, like, a really, like, it's, like, demon Dumbledore. It's, like, way creepier looking and how he has, like, sunken eyes and stuff. Like, it's, it, like Harry says, it's not actually Dumbledore. It's not like they enchanted his body or something or like even had some sort of like a shadow of the real Dumbledore. It's just like something that Mad-Eye did and like made it really twisted and scary. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're all pretty shaken up from this. Um, this is when Hermione does Hominum Revelio and nothing happens. Ron, well, you've just had a big shock. What was that supposed to do? <laughs> Hermione, it did what I meant it to do. (laughs) She's, like, annoyed. She said it rather crossly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, luckily, it doesn't reveal anyone. And that is reassuring to know that there's no one there. Pretty comforting. Hermione, there's nobody here except us. And then Ron, and old Dusty. (laughs) Right. Uh, I do like to call that thing old Dusty. (laughs) Me too. Um, so yeah, then they're saying, like, they don't see anybody out there, um, and as Ron says, if you'd think if Harry still had the trace on him, they'd have followed them there, so 
they're talking about it and then Harry's scar burns um like a bright light on water and he or something flashes across his mind like a bright light on water yeah so and ron's already kind of been tipped off that harry's having these visions again but hermione hasn't heard that yet she <laughs> so she she immediately, of course, is annoyed. Like, your scar again? But what's going on? I thought the connection had closed. Yeah, what is this, Stranger Things season two or three? <laughs> right. <laughs> the gate has been opened again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And Ron's really concerned because yeah. he's thinking this is something at the borough, you know, which I get. Yeah. Um, and Hermione's just, like, mad about the connection being opened, which I sort of get, but I'm also like, give it up. Yeah. Harry Dumbledore didn't want you to use that connection. He wanted you to shut it down. That's why you were supposed to use Occlumency. <laughs> Otherwise, Voldemort can plant false images in your mind, remember? <laughs> Harry, yeah, I do remember. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Harry's extra crabby because he's still experiencing the pain. Uh, but it's, it's like, he did not need Hermione to tell him that Voldemort had once used this self-same connection between them to lead him into a trap, nor that it had resulted in Sirius's death. <laughs> yeah but um i like the word self-same there um it's, yeah i was just gonna say that too it's a really like ironic thing that i hadn't noticed until um reading it for this episode um just like it's it's so it's more accurate than harry thinks to describe it as self-same right because he and voldemort actually do share a certain amount of their selves um and he has part of voldemort with him so it it is part of himself. It's pretty interesting. Exactly. So in the midst of this uh, panic about the scar, actually, Arthur's Patronus shows up and says, family safe, do not reply, we are being watched. Um, so that's a really nice moment of relief. Um, I, I, my my impression has always been that Arthur just sent this to the to Grimmauld Place on the off chance that somebody would be there. Um, but do you think maybe he actually meant this to go to Ron and Hermione and Harry? Um, I, I actually do think maybe he did because I think... Um, I, I don't know if the Patronuses go to a location or if they go to a person like an owl does. That's what I was so wondering. Yeah, so maybe it could be, I could see either way. Um, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he might have sent it specifically to them. Yeah, that's, I, I kind of go back and forth on wondering about it because um, it would make sense for him to just send it to the Grimmauld, or to Grimmauld Place anyway, um, just thinking maybe somebody's there, but... I also kind of feel like this could exist um, like a, an owl where um, it's actually just being sent to the person, not to the destination. Yeah. Um, and I guess this sort of answers why they haven't used the more Patronuses to communicate because it says we're being watched. Please don't reply. Um, I I don't think that they, the Death Eaters would be able to use that as a way to like track where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are. But I think that it would – you know, it would alert them that Arthur and the rest of the Weasleys are in touch with them, you know. So I think that's the problem. Like, we can't let them know that we have any idea where you guys are. Right. Because I know, like, when Ron's on his uh, Shell Cottage uh, adventure, he says, like, people like people in the Order didn't know how much information Harry and Ron and Hermione had. I think Lupin maybe says that, too, when he comes to Grimmauld Place, um, where it's like they can't tell for sure whether their messages are being received or that kind of thing oh yeah so maybe they are sent more towards just one location yeah i don't know i mean it, it's also possible that they like sent it to them but they didn't know whether they actually got it i don't know right 
it's it's hard to tell. But that's a very brief moment. And of course, everybody's feeling really relieved. But Harry is like totally distracted because his his forehead is still like going crazy. Um, and he ends up having to run to the bathroom. Really, really subtle of him. <laughs> yeah. Hermione will never know, although she kind of doesn't know. Right. True. <laughs> She's, yeah, Harry is actually being more subtle than he looks for once. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, so Harry runs upstairs to the bathroom and uh, collapses on the floor right away um, as he actually jumps into this whole memory of, or not memory, but, you know, whatever they call it, vision. vision of what's happening with Voldemort. And this is a really disturbing scene because it's not only Raoul being tortured, but it's um, Voldemort is forcing Malfoy, Draco Malfoy, to be the one torturing Raoul. Um, it says, like, Draco, give Raoul an- uh, Draco, give Raoul another taste of my displeasure. Do it or feel my wrath yourself. <laughs> Because it is a high, cold, merciless voice. We have a new actor yeah, there. That was very good. Thank you. Feel my <laughs> wrath yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, this seems super disturbing. Yes. It seems a little less disturbing when we hear you doing it. But, um, it, yeah, like you said, Raoul is being tortured to give information. So clearly the clearly the memory charm was not perfect, but... Yeah, they, I don't know. Like I said, what's interesting about this to me, and I said this earlier and then I was a little bit wrong about it, but Harry's invisibility cloak does come off for a moment, but it's Dolohov who sees Harry, not Raoul. So just to clarify that that's what my confusion is here, is that it's Raoul being questioned. I'm not confused about how the memory charm wore off or, you know, Voldemort was able to get past that. I know that that's something that Voldemort's capable of doing, but it's weird to me that it's Raoul and not Dolohov. I'm sure that he did this with Dolohov too, but it seems weird that Dolohov's not the one in this specific scene that J.K. Rowling chooses to show us. (laughs) Right. Well, maybe, yeah, I agree. I think it's a little bit weird. It seems like maybe Voldemort has already gotten the information out of Dolohov and he might be saying like, you're telling me that Harry Potter's escaped again, like kind of to the both of them. And we're just seeing Raoul. Um, you know what I mean? Right. But that, so, but I agree though. Like it somehow the memory charm wasn't really that foolproof or maybe it just lasted long enough for them to get out of there, I guess. Right. And then well, I now think it, it, I think it it's lasted. gone away. And then, I yeah, don't, I don't think it wore off. I think Voldemort broke through it. Um, yeah, probably and, that too. Yeah, like I like I'm saying, that's not what's confusing to me. It's it just I, I don't think there's any answer other than J.K. Rowling just decided to have this be the the theater we see being questioned. I think it should have been Dollhoff that we see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, that's the end of the chapter. Is uh, Harry feel seeing this scene, and I do like how his reaction is especially feeling sickened by the use to which Draco was now being put by Voldemort. Um, Harry is it's not necessarily empathy but he can see that draco is in kind of this like captivity kind of situation where he's not having any kind of ownership over what over what he's doing and it's clearly like partially a punishment for draco's failed mission of killing dumbledore last book yeah if only he would have come over to dumbledore's right side that's right then he could have been killed as well (laughs) but yeah hermione her voice rings out harry do you want your toothbrush i've got it here so she she did bring some some toiletries yeah she she did i was just thinking that as well we don't see any evidence of toothpaste or deodorant though no we don't 
don't. Uh, but yeah, Harry's fighting to keep his voice casual as he stands up to let her in. So it would be casual voice. Casual voice that he's so famous for. Yeah. So I mean, he sort of, I guess, lets keeps it under wraps for now. Well, not really, because next chapter Hermione's going to question him about it. But I said for now. Yeah, <laughs> for for the five seconds it takes to get his toothbrush <laughs> from Hermione. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. the end of the chapter. Uh, it's time for us to figure out where we want to rank the chapter. We've got nine chapters to rank it against, or eight to rank it against. Eight to rank it against, yes, it is. Um, okay, well, I don't know. This one's kind of tough, because like we kind of said a bunch of other times, like this is this one's a pretty different feeling chapter, because we're into a new a new phase of the book. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily top tier. I liked it, um, but it's... A transition chapter, like I said, with a lot of action, I kind of think I'm actually I, I remember when we talked about the Dark Lord Ascending, not like loving it, but I'm kind of surprised that it's as low as it is. Yeah, know, well, that chapter's not that good. It's ta- classic Alice. <laughs> well, charity burbage, remember? <laughs> no, no, I agree. I, I was also surprised when I was looking at the list that it's number seven out of eight right now. Um, I'm fine with the ghoul in pajamas where it is. I think that might be staying at number yes. at bottom for maybe the whole rest of the book. <laughs> maybe until we get to the epilogue. Um, <laughs> but I think like, yeah, the dark, I don't know. I, the Dark Lord Ascending, I I do think it, I can see why it's lower on the list, but it's, I'm surprised it's that low. But at the same time, it's been a very strong book so far. It has been a really strong book. Do you think that this one's better than the Dark Lord Ascending? I feel I'm like kind of surprised the Dursley's departing is so high, to be honest. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this one might be I think it's either around... seven or eight. I, yeah. I think it's seven. I still think it might be better than the Dark Lord Ascending, <laughs> unfortunately. You hate the Dark Lord Ascending. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't hate it, but this... I think this one was better. This yeah. one was really fun. Like, it's fun. Yeah. And I really like the different locations we get, everything like that. It's so fun watching them get attacked by Death Eaters. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. No, I, I think that that seems like the right spot for it, too. So right below In Memoriam, um, which, again, it's it's hard to rank these chapters. We always say this, but it's hard to rank them against each other when they're all so different. Um, like I almost feel like this should be above In Memoriam. Because In Memoriam is not the one with the trunk. Or right. I mean, it is the one with the trunk, but it's not the one with all the memories. That's the, that's the Dursley's departing. That's why that one's so high. Right. So. But but in memoriam is really, I, I think it sets up so much with all the um, Dumbledore stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's fine. We'll, we could leave this here. <laughs> okay. Might be a little bit. I think this one might be getting snubbed a little bit, but it's it's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think I enjoyed talking about it, but I don't think that this is the most riveting chapter ever. That's true. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where we're going to rank it, number seven out of nine. And it's time to figure out our real weirdo, um, the gum-chewing waitress, yes. I guess, is top tier right now. <laughs> front runner. Yeah, no, I'm rooting for Draco. I think he really showed oh. his really good side of himself. Yeah. I'm I don't think kidding. that Draco's kidding. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of characters here to pick from um i i almost want to say hermione just because she really you know saved the day bringing all their stuff with them but i don't know yeah i i mean i think of the of the three of them obviously harry can't get it ron ron was nice i guess 
<laughs> I think Ron was funny with the jeans and stuff, but well, that wasn't terrible. really very polite. That's not a good yeah. look. Oh, we could give it to old Dusty. Can we? I was wondering about that as, as well. I kind of am tempted to because he, <laughs> he, he is the fourth the fourth person at Privet or at uh, Grimold Place. All right, I think old Dusty deserves it. <laughs> we have to call him old Dusty, though. We can't say Demon Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree. I like to call him Old Dusty as well. All right. Well, congrats, Old Dusty. You got you got the real weirdo this <laughs> That has week. to be one of the most bizarre we're, real weirdos we've ever had. <laughs> it's it's good. Um, okay, so you can find those lists of our chapter rankings and real weirdos at our website, realweirdsisters.com. Um, you can also go to facebook.com slash realweirdsisters and give us a like there. Um, that's a great way to comment on the episodes and um, give us feedback. Um, we definitely would appreciate you giving us a like on Facebook and following the page there. Um, we're also on Twitter at Real Weird Sister. And of course, the number one way to support the show is by going to patreon.com slash realweirdsisters. Um, and at uh, that website, you can find all the different levels that you can support the show at. Um, now that we're in uh, two different locations, um, we are definitely, it's it's harder to find time to record the show. And it's thanks to our patrons that we're uh, able to always make sure that we get the episodes out on time and have ev- all the resources that we need to continue uh, making the best content. Yeah, we are, we are so grateful to our patrons and we have a really fun patron community. So we'd love to welcome you aboard. So please check that out if you haven't already. Yeah, and like I said at the beginning of the show, um, we are going to be coming out with our August Patron cast, patron cast, um, later this week. So if you uh, pledge this week, you'll have access to that as well as uh, 24, 25, 26, I can't remember, uh, quite a few other um, extra content, um, the, the patron cast that we've recorded through the last two years that we've been on Patreon. Not everybody is able to support the show financially, and we completely understand, um, but one thing that everybody is able to do is hop on over to iTunes. Um, if you have access to podcast you have access to itunes it's uh, the same as your podcast app oftentimes if you use the apple podcast app writing a review on there is the same as writing a review on itunes so give us a five-star review um, we are happy to read it on the show and i'm happy to read it on my own because it makes my day every time i read a nice five-star review um, we have one this week from that orchestra kid um, the title is if you're a potterhead looking for entertainment you found the right place that orchestra kid says alice and martha highlight the joy and fun the harry potter series brings to all age groups they've done a ph- phenomenal job on this show and i hope it never ends i find myself wanting to keep listening after I finish each episode and I'm working on getting caught up on the show so I have plenty to listen to. To anyone that has not listened to this show, please do. It is my favorite podcast ever. Keep up the great work, ladies. Heart emoji. Aw, that's so sweet. I love that. So... Thank you so much for listening and I'm glad that you enjoy it so much. Yeah, and I hope the show never ends too, Alice. You do. (laughs) (laughs) You sound surprised. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're not ending anytime soon. The book club's coming to an end soon, but we have a plan. So, no, never fear. People don't. Um, but I don't know don't about. I don't know about forever. Yet. People don't seem to believe us when we say we have a plan for after we finish. They don't, the and I don't club. know when we're going to reveal what the plan is either. Well, I don't want it to be too early. No, we've got to roll it out in a fun way. Maybe like you know. Shortly before the end of the seventh book. I think like, yeah, definitely in 2020 sometime, but not, not yeah. before then. No, no sooner. So Although keep pa- holding your breath, people. Patrons but we do have a plan. Sooner. 
We've had a plan for a, over a year. Yes, we have. Uh, people don't for seem to be about us. a year. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe we'll let it slip to the patrons uh, earlier. So that's another motivation to join the Patreon. Yeah, we. I don't know when though. So just any at any point, it could be revealed. <laughs> We're not going to tell you <laughs> once the patrons know. So <laughs> you have to be a patron to know that you know. And you know that we know that you know. And they don't know that we know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we will be back next Monday with uh, Chapter 10, Creature's Tale, or Kingsley's Tale, if you ask Alice. <laughs> and until then, we're the Real Weird Sisters. We're the Weird Sisters, we're the Real Weird Sisters. All you other Weird Sisters are fine, but not the Vickers. Will the Real Weird Sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere where and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus